is John chapter 4, beginning at verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. May God add His blessing to the reading of the Word. You may be seated. I hope you got a bulletin. It tells a little bit about the sermon and some stuff going on in my life and the notes I write each week. So there's always something different there. And there are birthdays for December listed there. If for some reason a birthday or an anniversary is not listed, it could be because I don't have it. If I don't have it, I sure would like to be able to put those in there for folks to wish you a happy celebration. There are two things in this world that I don't like. I, well, probably more than that. <laughs> Just two, I'd probably be doing pretty good, right? But one of them is redoing something that somebody did wrong. The second thing I, I don't like is repeating myself. Now, at our house, we're undergoing a major construction project. It started in the first week of August. Mm-hmm. We started with a bad contractor who finally quit showing up in September. I'm thankful they quit. Because it was less that the other contractor after them had to tear out and redo. They'd have gotten everything done. Everything would have had to been torn out. So I'm thankful for that. But I still didn't like the fact that they had to redo everything. Everything needed redone. Now, I, I did say I don't like things being redone, but I really meant I don't like things done wrong, especially those that inconvenience me. Imagine this, and you might understand. You pay somebody to do a work... And they do it wrong. So you have to pay somebody else to do it again. But before they can do it again, they have to tear out and charge you to fix and tear out what the other guy did. So I paid for it twice and removing it once. What was already done wrong. I don't like that. Would you? So that's one thing I don't like. Don't like repeating things or redoing things. And the same thing I don't like is repeating myself which I just said twice. <laughs> it, it happens a lot in my life. I repeat myself a lot. People say, what? I can't hear you. My dad used to say, speak up, son. You're mumbling. It's because my dad couldn't hear. I had to repeat myself to dad a lot. Well, I tend to tell something one time, a story or whatever, to whoever's listening, and I don't like to tell it again. Ironically, here I am, Preaching the same sermon twice, repeating myself with the same notes. <laughs> Go figure. I think God kind of said, Yeah, don't care what you like. You're going to do what you need to do. Talk about a repeat performance, an encore. But if you ask my wife, she will tell you that the illustrations in the messages often change from New Liberty to here. I don't know if you know that. So if you think, man, that was a really good sermon, New Liberty is probably just the same, it'll totally be different. 
If you've ever gone online and listened to the podcast of theirs, you go, wait a minute, he didn't say that at ours. And, and that, that sounds different. And it is. Always is. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I don't like repeating myself. But the parts that change, the illustrations that change aren't scripted. They just kind of show up. Pop in my head is a good example. And uh, I'll pull one out. I don't know. I said that one over there. I don't want to say that one. That's kind of how that works. It's different for me each time. And I'm thankful for that because it means God's bringing stuff to our attention here that may not be relevant over there and vice versa. And so I'm always thankful. My wife says, they're both good sermons. I just felt more like, you know, that one was better or this one. Well, in our story today of the woman at the well, she has to repeat herself. You see, she comes to the well to get water, to draw some water. And if you follow in this story and read back, Jesus says to her, he's the Messiah, right? And here's what happens. The woman leaves her water jar, this is verse 28, and goes away into the town and says to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah? So once Jesus tells her he's the Messiah, she leaves her water pot and goes to town. Either she thinks she's coming back or she forgot the water because she came to get water. That was the only reason she came. But now she has to repeat the trip to come back for her water pot. If I were her, I would say, I'm taking a water pot with me. I don't want to come back for that if I don't have to and I can make the choice once I get there if I want to come back or not. But she left no option. She hadn't gotten the water yet. Or had she? Her testimony made the difference in the townspeople. If you follow this passage, I'm going to cover some stuff that we're not covering in a message because there's just way too many sermons in this passage. You're going to go, when are we going to get out of the well? Let me share this with you. In Verse 25, the woman says, I know that Messiah is coming, who's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. This word know that she uses there is not like what you read in a book, knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. I know this. In other words, I'm familiar personally with this is the truth. That when God does something, it's revealing something about all things. Now, when we say, well, all things He's going to reveal, does that mean like end times about the mysteries of the kingdom? And the answer to that simple statement is no. He reveals all things to convince people that He is who He is. And what He revealed in her all things was about her. Her secrets. Her heart. Stuff that she wouldn't utter to anybody else. Her shameful things. All that. Jesus spoke because He knew all things about her. So He knew all things and therefore it proved He was the Christ. In the very next statement He says to her, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Jesus says right there, I am the Christ, the Messiah. Without black and white uh, and then colored, 
It's all clear. I am the Messiah. He says that. Nowhere else in Scripture do you see that. He says, I'm the Son of God. I'm the Son of Man. I'm a child of my Father. But He never says, I'm the Messiah, except for right here to this woman. It's the only time. It is in that moment when she leaves her water pot. She's willing to drop that and go to town. Would you say when she went back to town that her story changed a little bit? Maybe. After encountering Jesus? I would say yes. And so did those who went, that she went to tell about her experience. And let me tell you what I mean by that. If this was a normal day, and Jesus hadn't been at the well all the days previous that she came to draw, what would she have said upon returning to town to the men and the women of the town? Not much. She was basically excommunicated from society. She had to go to the well alone. The only thing she might say is, got my water, you can go now. I'm not there. You can go safely without being seen with me. That might have been what she said on any other day. But this time, she came without the water. She didn't have the water pot. She didn't have anything in her arms. She's just coming back and hasn't done what she went to do. And so I'm kind of wondering what these guys might have said to her and the people in the town when she comes back from the well after walking four miles and, and comes back empty-handed. And I'm thinking they might have said, where's your water? You forgot your water. And you know what I think she would have said to that? No, I didn't. What do you mean? You went to the well to get it. You got, you got another source closer. You don't have to use that one anymore. Are you saying you got it and it was quicker? Tell us about this other source. And then she's going, uh-uh. Oh, Water's right here. I got the water in me. Oh, you drank it, huh? <laughs> no. I have a water supply that will never run dry. I think that might be the conversation they had. Otherwise, they're not going to speak to her. But she says to them, and in our passage today it says, He told me all that I ever did. He would tell us all things. He will tell me all that I ever did. That's the all things that she was saying to Jesus would be evidence of a Messiah. And she says, this man, I believe, is the Messiah. And he's here at our well. And I believe that's what she said to those people. So what about the water that she went to get? Does she still need it? Does she still need water to drink, to bathe, wash? Yes. And does she still need to eat and have clothes and a place to stay? Yes. But that was her primary focus in life, was to eat and be clothed and have a place to stay before Jesus. Her agenda changed at that time. She still needs water, I promise you. Just because you have Jesus, you still need to eat. It's true. Just because you have Jesus doesn't mean you don't need to drink water anymore for your body to be hydrated. As a matter of fact, you need water to be hydrated. 
It's very important. Jesus isn't talking about that. Yet, for her, that was the focus of her life until Jesus, and then it became a secondary aspect because she left her water pot and went to town without water, which she came for. That which was most important, no longer. You see, a woman who's a second-class citizen, if considered that, most likely property for the man she was with and the five husbands she had. And notice it doesn't say she's a widow. Did you notice that in the story? She's not a widow. She's, she's been divorced five times. Not a widow five times. She's had five husbands and they didn't want her. Which is tragic. And the one she's living with won't marry her. And so she has a slave role which is to get the water to bring to the house so that he can drink it and bathe. And he's doing, she's doing this for him plus other menial tasks for her to be worthy of staying in his home as a slave. Pretty much what her job is. To do whatever he says. And that's what her life has become. Because she believes she's an outcast in society and not welcome in God's kingdom because she's definitely not welcome in worship or the temple. Why? Because she's had five husbands. And she's living with one who isn't. There's something wrong with her. Not the five husbands. Her. And she knows it and society knows it. And that's why she's content or relegated in her mind to living a miserable life of just existing until Jesus. But had Jesus not come, what remains the same? On that particular day, she draws the water fills the pot up, carries the 80-gallon jug, however, she carries a shoulder, arm, however, the mile and a half to two miles back to town. Don't know how long that would take her, but it takes some bigger part of the afternoon to walk two miles with that much weight. But she's used to it. It's her burden. It's her life. And she would walk back to town, take the water, set it down, and see what else she had to do to earn her keep. That would be what would happen on any other day. But on this day, she hurries back to town and begins to tell people what's happened. And she's not supposed to do that. She's not supposed to talk to people. But she's talking about something that they want to hear. I think I found the Messiah. Why are you... The Messiah? Oh, you're out of your mind. Why would a Messiah talk... He told me everything I did. Why would he? Oh, he would know that. Wow. And they believed, it says in our scripture, they believed in Jesus because of what she said. What? An outcast? They believe in the Messiah because of someone who's on the outskirts of society, the worst of the worst? They believe in Jesus because of her testimony? In that society, a woman's testimony is considered invalid, let alone one who's considered an outcast, which is why the Gospels are so powerfully um, showing that they're real because women are the ones who acknowledge Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. They're the first witnesses, which are considered unreliable. And yet here's her witness being reliable, and all of a sudden, they want to hear what she says. 
and they follow her back to the well. And they say, not only do we believe because of what you said, but now we believe because of what he says. That last verse I read to you. And now they believe because of the word Jesus said. And he's with them two days. There was something compelling when Jesus touched her life that the people wanted to hear. How does your story change when you tell and focus on the things that God has done for you? Let me put it to you this way. Someone asks you if you're a Christian. A lot of people say, well, I read the Bible, I pray, I go to church, try to help people. How'd you become a Christian? Well, I was, listen to how the story changes. Well, I was lost. I was broken. I was, I was a sinner. And God's grace, I met Jesus. And He changed me. You hear the difference between the two? Which one's giving God the glory? What He's done for you. When you talk about what you're doing for God, God doesn't get the glory for that. But when you talk about what God's done for you, that's your story. That's your testimony. What God has done for you speaks to people. Because you're not glorifying yourself, you're telling people what God did for you that you couldn't do for yourself because of your state before God. So your story changes when you focus on the things God did for you to change your life. And how impactful are the things to you that God did? What changed? Was there some huge differences in you? Hmm. Are they still huge differences today? Maybe stronger for some of us. So the woman goes to town to tell the people. Meanwhile, the disciples have come back to Jesus. I love this. And they said, because remember, they... Jesus sent them to town, the two miles, to get food. While she's there with him, they're getting the food. When they get back, she leaves. And they bring the food out and they say, Rabbi, eat. (laughs) We got food. And Jesus says, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Did the woman bring you some stuff? Did, Did... Did you go to McDonald's? Was there some food over there that we didn't see before? They don't understand that He has food to eat that they don't know about. And this word know is the same word that says understanding. They're using food like actual food. And He's trying to talk about a food, a spiritual food, and they can't get it. Listen to this. This is really interesting. Remember I said, you've got to have food and water, right? He's talking about water to the woman she doesn't understand. talks about food to the disciples they don't understand. Get this parallel. Water, Holy Spirit, blood of Christ, life-giving, body of Christ, food, broken. We don't understand. We do understand when we become a believer that the body and blood of Jesus Christ is food and water to us. It's life-giving food and life-giving water. Not the kind that sustains, it's too small a portion. It's the kind of life that is eternal, that sustains eternally, not physical stuff. 
It's a physical expression of an inward transformation only Jesus Christ can do in us, which is why when we take communion, we say, He did this for me. I couldn't make it happen. For me, it's grape juice and bread. But when Jesus Christ transforms it, it's life-giving. That's what He does. And so when this woman gets His transformation, she runs to town, in my mind, she runs to town and says, you got to meet this guy. It's the Messiah. I know it is. And, and, but you're talking... I don't care what a society says. This is bigger. The fact of the matter is when she addressed them, they could have killed her. For addressing them. Making them unclean. They could have killed her. But the fact of Jesus Christ is bigger than the fear of death about talking about Him. And if your relationship with Jesus Christ isn't so strong that you're not afraid to die when you talk about it, that's something. But if you're afraid to talk about Jesus because you're afraid you might get ostracized or let go of, then your love of Jesus Christ is less than your fear of what other people might think about you. Not Him, you. And that's telling that her fear of death wasn't even there when she met Jesus. i got to tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Great song. Communion today is not a difficult sell with this passage. Not to a believer. But to those on the outside looking in like this woman had been, being welcomed at this table comes as less, nothing less than a radical shift in the understanding of who you are. Jesus says to the disciples, I have food you do not understand. After all, Jesus came to be reality to all who would receive Him. He gave power to become sons and daughters of God. In communion, we receive Jesus Christ today. Are you ready for that word to be made flesh in you? Are you welcome, no matter what you say to yourself, are you welcome at this table? Are you welcomed at it? Are you in any way restricted from coming to this table? No, you're not restricted. Does Jesus welcome you with open arms and say, I give my life for you? Does He want you with Him at this table? Yes. 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 Absolutely Yes, without question. And the only reason we can come is because He did it for us to invite us, broken as He is, to receive life. That's the word made flesh. And it's the right word at the right time. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Your promise to us.
thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and for all that You do. And I thank You that You love us completely. You've established Your presence with us. And I ask You now bless this time together with Your presence as we commune in Your holy name. Amen.